Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. My heart is really full this morning, and uh, as we begin this, I want you to know it's a I got asked one time, is it harder to teach when attendance is way down in the summer? And the answer, of course, is yes. Uh, I don't know why that is, but it is. But I've also found this, and you need to know this. Men love crowds. Jesus loves the few. It was Jesus himself who said, wherever two or more of you are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of you. He didn't call for a million-person march. No, he didn't. He loves the few. He loves those little gatherings. Even when you gather together in your homes, even when you're together as a family, you have to remember, he loves the few. And that, that's played throughout all that, through the history and the in the chronicles of the Old Testament. It's played out. And it's played out in the New Testament, you know? Um, when he had resurrected from the dead and told them to to gather in the in the upper room, you know, and that was after you have to remember it says almost 500 people or did say 500 people watched watched him ascend and go up into the ascension, go up into the clouds, and he said, "Go and tarry in Jerusalem." Um, most of them did not do that. You think seeing something like that, they'd be so stunned, they'd be there in the upper room. But it was a handful of people, just a handful. And he was there in their midst. So, what are you relating it to, that we're going to experience that today? No, some of my, uh, for me, some of my most uh, profound moments in teaching happened when there were so few people in the room. So, that's what I feel about this morning's teaching. It's really an important one. And it's kind of a, we've been going through some transitions. It's kind of a transitional teaching about how to evaluate your life experiences in, in that ser- deep search over identity. And so I've had this great sense all week that this is really important because it's about uh, our helper, the Holy Spirit. And so what do you suppose he's been doing all week with me? drawing very close and being very helpful to me and then why can't you do that like when everybody's showing up for Christmas you know and there's just crowds and it really and he, he loves the few so he loves each one of you even the songs that we sang this morning and uh, the other thing I forgot to say to Sam I don't know if he went out to get a cold drink of water or whatever but you re- you really owned this this morning that was yours in the Holy Spirit and I really appreciated it it really uh, spoke to me so I've been reading your poetry some of you liked it some of you tolerated it some of you will learn to live in it so this is by Rainier Maria Rilke anybody Few of you will know who he is. By the way, uh, uh, our education systems today, and especially in literature, and especially with things like poetry and stuff, they've tried to separate faith from that. 
Do you know that most of the poets, um, nearly all of them wrote about God all the time and wrote about faith all the time and they're not separated from them. It's just that they won't let our kids read them anymore in college. They choose people who were atheists. They choose people who weren't in faith. And uh, Rilke had a very strong faith. He was born in Prague, uh, late 19th century, died in 1926. He was German, born in Prague, but German. And, uh, and uh, he was, as a, as a German, this is what he was known for. But by the way, he's ranked in the top one, you know, like poetry clubs rank him either in the top 50 or in the top 100. And most of you never heard him of poets that have ever lived. Now think through that for a minute because we've been doing poetry for a long time. It's pretty high ranking. Um, he would take objects or places and weave words around them to bring understanding to the person that was looking at it and to understand for the person that was thinking about it. And he did that a lot regarding faith. And uh, so the poem this morning is God Speaks to Each of Us. See if we can do it justice. God speaks to each of us before we are. Before he's formed us. Then in cloudy speech, but only then, he speaks these words to each. And silently walks us from the dark. Driven by your senses, dare to the edge of longing, grow like a fire's shadow-casting glare behind assembled things so you can spread their shapes on me as cloths and don't leave me bare. Let it all happen to you, beauty and dread. Simply go. No feeling is too much. And only this way can we stay in touch. Near here is the land that they call life. You'll know when you arrive by how real it is. Give me your hand. Isn't that beautiful? He's so interactive with the Holy Spirit and understanding that it is God that takes experience and life and creation and leads us through it. And so he, he takes this poem to get you to, to think about the deep longing. If I asked each of you this morning that the Holy Spirit wanted to invite you to go on a long walk, what would you do? Here's my hand and here's my Nikes. <laughs> I'm all in. Where are we going? Yeah? Take me on the journey. Well, he does. That's what life is. That's the... That's the whole issue. And it's all mixed up together, the good and the bad. As a matter of fact, we learn more from the bad, which tends to be a learning zone, than we actually do from the good. The good feels so brief and the bad lasts so long. <laughs> and the night, <sighs> the night is long and full of terror, the actress says. But the Lord of light, oh my gosh, he's not afraid of it. We are. So as we look at how do we evaluate experiences life, by, that's, by the way, that's the announcement for the kids. 
How do you how do you go about analyzing life to really learn to to engage God in such a way that you can go on a long walk with Him? And uh, how do I how do I take life and see what happened, the good and the bad, and and apply critical thinking, problem solving? One of the reasons I'm reading poetry to you is it's full of critical thinking. You have to more than prose, you unless it's an essay. You have to think about poetry. Yeah, you have to let the words bring meaning through what you're feeling about them and what they evoke in you. And you have to wrestle with that. And it's like critical thinking. What hinders our thinking and to, and to move into critical thinking and problem solving is this. And I, I wrote this down years ago in an encounter with the Lord. And he spoke a little word to me. He said, all fears in the future. I went, what? He said, all your fears in the future. What you can't control, you fear. And none of you can control the future. What you fear, you deny. What you deny makes you blind moves you into wrong beliefs, and where you are blind results in bad choices. You need, you need sight to make good choices. You need understanding. You need to wrestle with meaning in order to get it there. So it's always this tension. The future has fantasy and faith that seem to run into each other. Uh, I've watched it throughout my years of, of being a, a leader in, in, in church, in, in being called to ministry, vocational ministry. And I've watched people build fantasies around things of what they thought God was telling them to do and are devastated and crash when it doesn't come to pass. That wasn't faith. Faith is trusting God. And so those things work. And then you, you look at the past. What hinders us from the past as we go into a future is this, unforgiveness. There's this tension of the bitter heart that can't let go, can't learn, is stuck. We get stuck so we can't critically think about something because we get stuck on the process because we're offended at something. The heart that can let an offense go grows big. Letting offenses go, they're not worth hanging on to. Somebody that's still mad at Uncle Henry because of what he said when they were 14? You're going to let that hinder how you approach the future. And here's what the enemy does. He builds fears around those things. It might happen again. What if he says that? Well, I'm not going to that anymore. And so we, we start setting things up. That's what I mean by denial. The present, your present tense situation in critical thinking is a decision over failure or learning. The mistake isn't the issue. It's what you learn from the mistake that's the issue. You're going to make tons of mistakes, whether you're 14 or you're 44 or you're 84. You're going to make mistakes. Oh, last time I looked, nobody did it perfectly except one. And then he gives us his perfection as a gift because we can't do it. 
So the idea is when you, in the present, when you get stuck, then that sticking becomes the very failure you're trying to avoid. Does that make sense? We get, we get in this rhythm and then we, don't, we quit critically thinking over it. Um, every life story I've ever had the privilege of listening to, all of them are filled with both wonderful and terrible experiences. I love listening to people tell their story. It's how I've engaged most people. Because listen, if, if I just say to them, like sitting on an airplane, they say, if they ask me, what do you do for a living? I just say, oh, I just work talking to people. Or I would kind of hedge around it. Because the minute you say pastor, you see all their boundaries come up. And here's this circle of barbed wire fence. And they are not going to talk to me. And oh, by the way, they didn't order another vodka. So there's always been that in which, and so what I've tried to do in order to engage them is I'm the person, I already know I'm a person of faith. I don't have to prove to them I'm a person of faith so that we can engage or not engage. I don't have any of that to prove. I know who I am. You need to know who you are. I know who I am. So I ask them who they are. So many people, like on an on an airplane on the on the way to Germany, you know, and, and uh, asked uh, this probably middle aged woman, probably around fifty. Just uh, I said, "Tell me your story." She said, "What do you mean?" She said, "Tell me who you are." No one's ever said that to me before. And I said, "Really? Well, let me be the first. She said, "Where do I start?" And I said, "Where would you like to start?" She said, it was a long time ago. I said, we got time. You know, on a long flight between New York and Germany. That woman didn't shut up. <laughs> Two hours into it, I was going, oh, Lord. And then in fourth grade, but here's the thing. By the end of the story, then I could tell her my story. And you sing the song. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Then you can reciprocate. And you can share your story. And it doesn't matter what vocation you have. Because it's His story. So we, we problem solve. We help people in critical thinking and problem solving by sharing life. And what you did on your worst day. And what you enjoyed on your best day. The learning often happens in the dark. That's why you have to learn to critically think and problem solve. It, So much does. So I have another quote for you. This is from the book Byzantium by Stephen Lawhead. And early on in the third chapter of the book, it's about, it's about a, young, a young priest from Kells who, who gets invited uh, by the, the fellow priest to go on the journey of, of taking a gift to the, to the Pope and to the Emperor. And his mentor this older priest 
talks to him after he's been selected, which is quite an honor, to get to be one of three to go on the journey. And he said, never doubt in the darkness that which you believed in the light. Also this, unless the pilgrim carry with him the thing he seeks, he will not find it when he arrives. Life is a teacher. We carry Christ and Christ carries us. We don't have to find Christ in the problem. Christ finds us in the problem. Jesus is not afraid of your problems. Holy Spirit, believe it or not, relishes in it. He is not looking at your life going, Oy vey! What will we now do with him? He's not doing that. That's not his role. We'll look at his role later, but he's not like deeply concerned that you can't get it. You are. You're stuck in thinking about something and you can't seem to get around it because of that fear thing. Fear is the inhibitor of learning. Uh, Now some of us are more courageous than others. So my wife has always used this throughout the years. You know, she's sort of like Ernest Hemingway. Ernest Hemingway, when he was four years old, used to walk around and go, ain't afraid of nothing. (laughs) He'd put his hands on his hip if you studied his life at all. Well, he was. He killed himself later in life. He was just whistling past the graveyard. But Brenda would always tell people when they couldn't get out of their comfort zone, do something, she said, what's the worst thing that can happen? I used to hate that when she did that. Because it's a motivator. It's, a, it's the great cattle prod of encouragement. <clears throat> you're, you're either being stupid or afraid. <clears throat> What's the worst thing that can happen? But it's a true thing to say to yourself. It's really good self-talk. You're asked to do something and you hesitate because in the past it didn't work. What's the worst thing that can happen? It doesn't work. It ain't so bad. Did you ever do stuff that didn't work? I love to take things apart. I'm not very good at putting them back together. <laughs> I can figure out what we're wrong with it, but I can't. I'm not very good at fixing it. My brother could fix anything. But that's why I learned to take things apart. So if nothing else, I can take you apart. But I was not designed by God to fix you. That's a process that God uses in life. He's the maker of noses and ears and hearts. Not us. I'd make you look like something that shouldn't be. He makes you look exactly like Him. Through all of these experiences. And He wants you to learn how to problem solve. Look at John 16, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. He's talking about what's coming up. In the world you will have... Oh, I hate that word. Isn't that an ugly word? Tribulation. Oh, you know what that means? Problems. Oh. But look at the rest of it. But be of... Means to celebrate. Good cheer means to celebrate. I have overcome 
the world. That means he didn't say I've overcome tribulation. What did he overcome? This world, this life experience. He has transcended it so that you can. He was first. It says he's the firstborn of many who come in. He was the first to transcend this, to understand. Can you imagine? He's walking here on the earth, going through all the stuff that we go through, and he knows that eternity in heaven is waiting because that's where he came from. We were guessing. We were whistling in the dark. But he made a way for us. And so he says, be of good cheer. I got through this. Guess what? I'm going to get you through this. And if I don't, you win anyway. What's the worst that can happen? Well, go back to geek freaks and geeks, and then you die. The father always tells the story of all these horrible things that are going to happen to his kids if they do something wrong. And he says, and then you die. But you see, for us to die is to win. You have to settle that in your heart as a believer. The first thing you have to establish is eternity is in my being now. I am an eternal being. Death is hard for those left behind, not the one that leaves. I don't want to lose a friend or a family member ever. Talk about tribulation. But me going? <laughs> Glory. <laughs> you know, what's heaven going to be like? I don't know, but the first thing he does is it says he wipes away every tear. I think that sounds really good. I think that sounds pretty incredible because I've had tribulation here of you and he wipes away every tear oh my gosh but here Romans 8 tells us it lists out all the things and it says yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us I'm not defeated I might be engaged in something, in some really difficult problems, something, but I'm not defeated. I already won. I'm already more than a conqueror. What's the worst that can happen? Critical thinking and problem solving are two of the most undervalued precepts in our education system and life preparation training that surrounds our society today. Our institutions are not passing it on to our children. For goodness sakes, quit being afraid of the dark and pass it on to your children. And don't soft sell it. Don't try and tell them there's not weird things going on today and you're going to be okay. This is weird. It's the weirdest time I've ever lived through. Yet, in all these things, he made me more than a conqueror. So life by God, just like the poem that I started with, was designed to instruct us and to learn about him and about ourselves. And I am totally running out of time. So I'm going to jump forward and uh, do something. That, uh, hmm. Well, because I want you to see something in this. And I think that the Lord's...
the way, the, the rest of this is real meat and it's really good. And we'll get to it, I promise. This week, regarding all of this, I want you to see something by the invitation of the Holy Spirit. And next week we're going to talk about his role, specific role about the Holy Spirit. Because he has a role that he wants to play in your life. And it's incredible. It's not what you've been taught in prayer that he does. We want God to get rid of our problems. That's not the role of the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit is to be your counselor through the problems. We want him to eliminate all the bad stuff. He wants us to learn. So it's this. This is the psalm I want you to, if you're going to wrestle with God <laughs> over your life this week, and it's, I always put, I always put a, are you willing with a question mark over this, this psalm. It's Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9. Listen to this. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like a horse or like the mule which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Okay, Lloyd's loose literal translation. Don't be donkey brained. You're stubborn. And God wants to take you. Are you willing to go on a journey through the hard things, not the easy things? Those are, those are pecan pie with whipped cream. The hard things are losing a loved one. Hard things are an eight-year-old getting leukemia, and you go, Why? He wants to instruct you to learn about life and to learn about him and to learn about yourself and so that you can be a help to others. What this world needs now is critical thinkers and problem solvers. Not people that believe in, in relativism. The truth as it applies to you in this particular situation doesn't apply to me in my particular situation. Kick that out. God is the moral absolute of the universe. It says there's no shadow of turning in him at all. He is an absolute. And when you feed that to your children in critical thinking, it changes everything. God wants to guide you with his eye. What does that mean? He sees things differently than you see them. And he wants you to start looking at things with his eye, not yours. Years ago, one of the men that discipled me, his name was Ralph Hawk, of all names. How'd you like to have a mentor that had the last name of Hawk? And uh, we went to him. I was with a friend, Bob Faulkner, and we were going to Ralph with our problems. What a name, Ralph Hawk. And uh, I was talking, and I said, well, Ralph, under the circumstances, and he said, stop right there. I went, you know, and he could be, I mean, Ralph could get pretty gruff. And uh, I was like, uh, and he said, 
What are you doing under the circumstances? Do you not know that you were made to be more than a conqueror? And you can't see it if you're under it. Get above it. He said, ask the Holy Spirit to take you up for a higher look. He said, because it looks different from up there when you're over the circumstances and not under them. I walked away and it felt like I'd been with Gandalf, you know. It's like, <laughs> don't go to wizards and elves for counsel, you know. For they will say both yes and no. And it's like, and I, just, I really, I went away going, you know, I was, I was in my uh, mid-twenties and I thought I knew a couple of things. By the time I was 30, I knew, didn't know anything. You can't see things under circumstances. They're too hard to see. You have to let the, get the Lord's eyes. You've got to get above it. And see it how he sees it. Ask yourself the question. How do I do that? Ask yourself the question. God, how are you seeing this? Now you just engage. See, this is why this was actually at the end and the Holy Spirit's in the middle. Now you have engaged Holy Spirit. Because you've asked him to be something that he's actually titled. And that's your helper. We don't call him that much. The word actually doesn't mean help in the sense of a servant, though that's how we treat him. Helper means counselor. The one who gives advice and directs and instructs. It's this psalm. I want to instruct you in the way. That's what the helper is. He's your mentor. He's your instructor. And we don't, I'm not sure we've, I've taught it here, but I'm not sure we teach it well anymore. Because the, the role of the Holy Spirit has been made strange and, and goofy on one hand, and neutral and impotent on the other hand. And he's neither of those things. He's active and alive. The God of the universe lives in you, and he wants to help you through life so that you can see it the way he sees it. Uh, we have a tendency to pray, uh, your kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> That's what, Je what Jesus really meant when he was praying that prayer is God, I will align myself with what you are doing, not try to get you to align yourself with what I'm doing. That was the agony in the garden. Oh, I love that prayer. And I've prayed those kind of prayers. You probably have too. Uh, if this cup can pass me, by God. And we never finished the full prayer that he prayed. Nevertheless, your will be done. I will go through this. I will pass through this. I'm sure glad he learned how to do it because he did, we can. He was the first true learner. We knew everything. No, he was the first true learner. How strange it must have been to come down here and to have to experience it the way we do instead of always being above. He'd always been above and now he's beneath. Now he's in the midst of it. Now he's dependent 
on the Holy Spirit being his helper and whispering in his ear. Just like you and I. If we can learn that, we can start problem solving with the help of the Holy Spirit. So next week, we'll look at the marks of a maturing believer because most of us want to forget all the bad things that happened to us. Remember the denial. I want to I leave that stuff alone. Um, I'll finally say this. I didn't ever leave the stuff alone. Brenda can tell you that. I still wrestle with my dad issues. I'm 70. And there's a couple times I've gone, what the heck, Lloyd? Get over it. But you see, I still learn from it. I still manage it. Yeah, I, I just re-listened to a song by, by a group that's called the Eels. That's uh, what I want my grand, what the grandchildren should know. A friend of mine once shared it with me. And he talks about his dad, who he didn't have a good relationship with and couldn't understand when he was younger. But he starts singing about, but you know what? I, I really didn't know what it was like being inside of his head. The choices he had to make and what he had to do. He says, I'm going to butcher this, but he says, now I know I have a true love for him, even though he's dead. All of life. All of the experience, all of those things, God has brought us in to an incredible journey. So our identity is found in Him. Our purpose is found in Him. Our meaning is found in Him. Our relationships are found in Him. What I do is found in Him. So it's not that the dishes need washing, it's who's washing the dishes. The dishes always need washing. But when I do it, it's me and the Holy Spirit being a blessing to my family. It changes the way you do it. And I still grumble inside myself. I don't want to do dishes again. And then Holy Spirit just bumps me a little bit and said, let's do them. Change your attitude. Do it as a gift. Do it because it's there. And by the time I'm done doing them, there were only nine of them anyway. Even if they didn't rinse the hoop off the knife and you got to grab it, or somebody puts a sharp knife in soapy water and you got to search in the bottom, go, oh, I think I found it. They never do leave it off to the side. They're not learners. But I am. Read Psalm 32, 8 and 9 this week. Meditate on it. Meditate on it. Ask the Lord to start guiding you with his eye. Just, just pray that prayer. Holy Spirit, guide me with the Lord's eye this, this week. Can we do that? We're not leaving until you shake your head yes. That's scary. I don't care. What are you doing under the circumstances? Jesus, I pray for each of us. Holy Spirit of God, I pray for each of us. 
Oh, Father, I pray for each of us. Help us manage the stuff of earth. We've already gained access to heaven. Help us manage this stuff on earth. Where our fears are over our loved ones. Lord, let us be able to walk out in the dark what we believe in the light. Let us see. We take Psalm 32 and we we pray the prayer from Ephesians 1. God, that you would enlighten. You would bring to revelation into our hearts the knowledge of Jesus Christ and everything that he's about. That you would expand the great tent pegs of our life to be able to take in more, to be able to see and understand and gain. We would be those who gain, O God, not those who lose. And for every wretched, wretched experience we have, we have the knowledge of this, that when eternity happens, you'll wipe away the tear it created. That's good news. We hang on to that. So we give you this life and its problems today. We say again, like we did a couple of weeks ago, if it be your will, lead us and guide us. Help us to be truth-sayers. Help us to be men and women of God. Open up doors of understanding and opportunity in our lives, even this week. In Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do you love each other? God bless you.